The Courage to Lead, episode 183. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Deborah Johnson. Deborah Johnson is an inspirational speaker, author, and international award-winning music artist. Deborah helps others get unstuck by producing and executing a successful plan for their second half. Up for multiple Grammy Awards and spending over 20 years in the entertainment industry, Deborah is an expert on how to constantly reinvent yourself in a gig economy. As a successful entrepreneur in a volatile field of performing arts, Deborah is uniquely qualified to speak on the subject of positive mental code in life and leadership. She's the author of five books, her latest, The Summit, Journey to Hero Mountain, was published in 2021. Deborah speaks and performs in both live and virtual events. She's also past president of the National Speakers Association in Los Angeles. Deborah loves to create and inspire others to use their skills, talent, and resources to be the very best they can be. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is so much fun, and it's fun to be on uh, with a uh, also an alumni of CSUN Absolutely. and uh, Northridge, and I did my undergrad work there, so that's that was a really fun detail. Yeah, I, I hadn't noticed that, and then when we talked uh, before the, the call, yeah, that was great. Cal State Northridge, go Matadors, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so I want to come back and talk about all of that. Um, how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, and all the things you've accomplished in your career. But before we get started, I have 10 questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, these are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my <laughs> guests. So, Deborah, if you're ready, 10 questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? <sighs> my favorite word is... Um, I think yes, and uh, or yes and, but uh, to be able to go on and um, doing projects and I have to say that to myself too. Yeah. Yes <laughs> and perfect. What is your least favorite word? Uh, probably um, I don't like to be told no, um, but I need to say that myself to some things. To yeah. of course we all have to decide not, what not to do, but. Yes. <laughs> All right. What turns you on? I think creativity and excitement about new a new project. Also, I love being outside. Excellent. What turns you off? Being cooped up and uh, restricted in what I have to do. And I think that's uh, why I've chosen the entrepreneurial route. Exactly. Very good. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? Uh I love hearing the gurgling of a baby, just that, okay. that happy sound. Yeah. It's different. Well, you'll ask me what I don't like to hear. It's the crying. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next question. What sound really yeah. do you hate? Yeah. Especially on planes. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they're usually right behind me kicking my yeah, chair. Of course. Yes. Yeah. They always say you got twins right behind you. They're crying and smoking cigars. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it used to be anyway. <laughs> All right. Question number seven. What is your favorite curse word? 
Yeah, curse word, and I don't curse. Uh, I don't. I don't have a manner of cursing. Sometimes I think it, um, but usually it's like darn or oh, you know, something like that, and yeah. uh, I kind of restrain myself. Okay, <laughs> that's good. All right, uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Profession other than my own. Um, wow, uh, you know. I should have probably studied some of these questions before because <laughs> I love what I do um, because I do so many different things in my profession. But it would it would probably be um, something in the creative field like making jam or making <laughs> you know something with, with still a service but that I could be outside and I can have fresh ingredients and all of that and and I've been told before oh do you ever sell this so um <laughs> you know it's a field I would not go into but it would be something that would be just fun and creative okay that's great uh, what profession would you not like to do not like to do um, again, um, I would not like to be one of those tree trimmers that have to be up at the top of the trees. Mm. Um, I don't like heights. I could never be on those big old, I mean, I could say never, but it's right. just, I would not choose to be on one of those, um, big ladders or getting up into the very top with, you know, it just would, yeah. that would not be a fun job at all for me no. or a window washer that was way up high or something exactly. like that. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I would like to, I like to hear him say, well done. You know, you lived, you lived your life uh, full, effective, and um, with influence and reaching out to others. And that to me, when you talk about leadership is, is so much part of it. Absolutely. Well, you have done all of that, so you're well on your way to, to heaven. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to come back and talk about how you got your start, um, how you do what you do, who you help, how you help them, uh, some of your accomplishments, and at some point transition into courage and leadership. Okay? Cool. Awesome. All right, listeners, we'll be talking about all of that and more right after this, so stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Deborah Johnson. Thanks again for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to have you here. Um, you are not on the road currently. Have you been traveling? Well, my last travel, we're taking off again. Um, I'm fitting in personal travel right now and working virtually, which is really fun. But we went to South Africa for a couple mm. weeks. And I think we've been back now for about five weeks. So I'm fully over the jet lag. Uh, but it was an, an incredible trip. Really, it was more than I even thought it was going to be. I had read great reviews and I booked it a while ago and I kept wondering, is it going to happen with the travel and everything? And 
it was amazing. And we were one of the, we actually, we were for many of the places that we went, we were the first people that they had had back at some of these places. And they were so excited to see us. And it was so fun to be there and to be with the people and to experience just the experience um, with where you can see um, the different culture um, and experience that and love those people and be so happy that you are giving them business because <laughs> they were just they were just so happy that we were there and uh, and it was it was just a wonderful and it seeing the variety of the animals mm-hmm. was really amazing because it, it just it just shows cre- another area of creativity it just was amazing just to see the variety so it was yeah. exciting great yeah my wife and I went in 2019. Uh, just before all the pandemic hit and went to a few places on safari just beautiful the country is beautiful the animals it's one thing to see them in captivity yes. something else to see them in their environment when when they're right there, right and, there but one thing I, I will say you got to get ready for that long flight it is a yes. long flight yes. <laughs> wow yeah what is it like 16 hours uh, yeah. Direct flight from Atlanta was it was sixteen yeah, hours. Yeah, ours was from <laughs> the, the West Coast, so it was even longer. Yeah, but it, it was a very very long flight, but it was it was amazing. So yeah, excellent. <laughs> well, like we talked about at the beginning, uh, you and I both graduated from Cal State University Northridge. Um, you've got your Bachelor of Arts in Music and Education, and a Master's of Arts in Music Arranging and Composition, right from Cal State University Long Beach. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And but music is a big part of your your family and your history, your genetics, right? Tell me a little bit about that. I had a grandmother on my mom's side that played, uh, came over from Italy. She was um, all Italian and played violin and Mandarin in Carnegie Hall. And then she went into an arranged marriage, had a dozen kids and never played again. (laughs) Yeah, it was really interesting. But uh, that is really where I think I got a lot of that that musical um, sort of the genes coming coming down, and of course my mother was was put into you know she wanted to play the violin so much and sing and all she loved opera she'd always have opera, but she was told she was tone deaf um, by her teacher, which she's not she wasn't she wasn't tone deaf she was just tone challenged I say. Um, that it was a little difficult, but it wasn't really a natural thing for her. But, but yeah, and I have, um, you know, with our family, she always encouraged my sisters and I to be in music. So I, I started at the age of nine, nine and a half, and my sister, younger sister, started in violin when she was like four, and which you need to start very, very early. So I was also her free accompanist uh, growing up, so I know lot of the violin literature as well as as the piano but we were raised in that and on the other side I did have a grandmother that she could play one song on the piano but it was it was always the rolled chords and she did the church thing you know all of that but um but she definitely had a little bit of an ear so there is a little bit of that because part of why I've worked in this field for so long is that I also have that sort of natural ability that I can I can hear things and I can pick them up so that as well as being classically trained has done very well in pursuing especially as a composer and a writer and arranger in this field and being able to uh, perform things on the fly well, yeah, and as a composer and arranger, you have to know 
all of the instruments pretty much, right? To know the, the feeling you want to evoke. Yeah, you want to have the feeling that, and, and I hi, I've hired out orchestrations and, and everything else because there's only so much time. And there's guys that do this that have these minds that I do not have. I've worked with some of these guys that write those arrangements, those orchestrations out on planes. They just hear all of that. Wow. And it's like, okay, so that's a whole other skill set. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of pick and choose um, what you're going to do and the area that you can do. So I knew, I knew where my little lanes were that I could, I could stay, especially as a woman, a pianist, vocalist, and, and I've worked because of those combinations. But I, I mean, that hasn't held you back. You nope. wrote a, a Broadway type musical, right? Yes, Serena. and I've written uh, those musicals, which I I called by the third one. I said, "Okay, this is a bad habit. I need to get out of this. <laughs> it's a time sucker and it's a money pit." But no, they they were just really fun. They expand your expand your imagination on writing. Is that's why I started writing them to begin yeah. with. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so Serena, right? Yes. Sarina, the story of Nicholas and Alexander yes. around the time of the Bolshevik Revolution. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How did that yes. come about? Wow. I was so fascinated with the story. And in fact, I'm writing right now. I'm, that's something I'll be um, recording in the next um, month is a, a brief historical, actual historical course to go along with that musical, because I feel it's important for people to know the backstory. And if you know really the backstory and what truly happened, you can put more into the characters. Right. And uh, but it was it was fascinating, and I um, produced the world premiere of it with seventeen actors, uh, many of them that were doubled. So it's a large; it can be done with a very large cast. Uh, music is wonderful, um, but it was it was fascinating because I have this book that I had gotten, and I've done a lot of research for it because it's a it's a musical just based on fact, but it's, you know, it's expanded and, yeah. you know, a lot of the fiction in it. Um, but Nicholas and Alexander wrote a lot of love letters to each other and they're documented. And a lot of the journals and you wonder who had the time to do that much journaling? I mean, they wrote a lot. <laughs> I've had, I have people that are into history this, and they say, well, they had a lot of, a lot more time than we have. <laughs> but they they documented those and so we have these love letters even from them and they they were because they were royalty and Nicholas was that last czar of that imperialistic time and he um, you know it was lined up that there were other women that he should have gone into these arranged marriage with marriages with but he he fell in love with a German princess. <laughs> And, and and ended up marrying for love Alexandra and that of course worked against them and he wasn't really prepared to lead and the whole thing within this you know fascinating story but I was I was just entranced with the story with the love story with the whole arranged marriage sort of element in it and creating that fictional character actually based on fact but because there was a actual Princess Helene, but she ends up being the French princess that gets jilted and, you know, the whole thing. So, but it, but it was just fascinating, the story on it. And it was very challenging for me. In fact, writing the book, The Summit, just happens, I just happen to have a copy, you know, of The Summit. But um, writing this was closest uh, of any of my books to writing the book of a musical, because you have to get into the character 
And you also have to cut it way down. And that's very challenging for any, any writer that listens. They'll understand. It's hard to cut that down. So your, your musical ran for how many weeks? Um, that one, because I booked a very large theater. It was a large cast. And we only had to do, I think, two or three weekends. Normally you do, uh, I think, 12 performances for a, a world premiere. But this was a larger one, so I didn't have to do as many. As far as their and union rules, um, I had six weeks to rehearse the cast. So mm. we had, you know, there's a lot that happens in that yeah. six weeks, a whole lot that and a lot of rewriting as well, because when something's not working on the stage, the, the writer is the one that stays up all night long writing a new new scene or a new, uh, you know, whatever they need sure. you know, with the uh, for the actors. And they left definitely let you know when something's not working. <laughs> so Yeah. Wow. Actors are a little different than musicians. I love them, but they're sure. different. And uh, <laughs> the directors and working with that whole combination. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But uh, you got some really good reviews in the yes. musical. Has anyone ever picked it up again to perform anywhere else? No, and I, and I haven't promoted it as much as I'd like to. I'm starting to promote it more, and that's why. I have so many things on my plate and so many yeah. things I've created. And it's like I'm getting back to... Uh, promoting the musical like this originally I was writing some of these musicals for schools and for not just community theaters but for schools and with all the shutdowns and with all everything that that has happened and the lack of budgets um, and when you try to promote um, a larger musical my musical stilts stilts has been done by some other organizations and with a high school and it's a smaller cast but this one is, is larger, so that's where I'd like to, you know, promote it a bit more, give a uh, few more resources um, available there. And what is kind of the benefit for some of these sort of works right now is, first of all, it's historical. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of interest there with our schooling and with, uh, especially with, with some of the uh, community groups, charters, and they're they're looking for um, actual history that they can help teach, right. you know, the students and, and help. And and the music can be done separately. You don't have to stage everything. You can actually do the music. You can do the readings. You can do all of that, and actually still get a great experience from some of these works. So. Sure giving that you know having that available and not going through um, a traditional publisher gives me a little bit more freedom as as an independent to be able to make it available for for different organizations but it's it's getting the word out it's exactly sure. what every entrepreneur struggles with right now Absolutely. how do you break through how do you get through all the noise there's just so much noise everywhere there's noise and we know that but you're right about the history. You know, a lot of people see Les Mis. Yes. They have no idea of the background. They just love the music. They love the storyline, yes. but they don't yeah. really understand what happened to get everybody to that point. So I think having that history is is important. Right, right. But your music, your performances around, your touring, your speaking, you have online courses. I know you have multiple websites you're, you're doing. <laughs> you're publishing uh, blog articles almost every week, right? Yes, yes. Yes. And a book almost every other year since 2013. Yes. Do you sleep? <laughs> You're so busy. What is where does that industry come from? What is that? That's so funny because I'm hearing my husband going right here. No, she doesn't. <laughs> I do. I do. 
I don't need as much as some people, no, but I'm trying to get, because, you know, we're gracefully, you know, growing older through our stages. And so I, you know, I'm trying to, and that's why I'm booking active tours and things where we are traveling together. We have this window. I feel like I have this window with my husband right now. We're both pretty active still. And, and, but I watched my parents go down fast. And yeah. so when you lose both sides and you realize, okay, so there's a clock ticking here. So I want to make sure that I'm fitting in these things that we want to do together. And that's very important. Otherwise, it's gone. This window is gone. So, but I'm, I'm booking in these active tours, bike riding, um, hiking, uh, to be able to do some of those things. So staying in shape, keeping all of that going is, is actually energizing Sure. for a lot of other parts of your career and, and of your life and fitting that in. But no, I've always been, in fact, that's why I've started doing live streams behind the scenes because people ask me your the same question all the time. <laughs> do you ever sleep? What, how do you get this stuff done? Yeah. So I was you know, why don't you do a behind the scenes? What are you working on now? Because it's overwhelming if I say everything. But no, I do little bits, little mm. bits. I just did a lot of dates with Disney, a lot of uh, music dates, which I'm not taking that many music dates anymore. I'm working more on, you know, podcasting, interviews, speaking, um, creating, uh, creating a whole new set of articles on the roundabout. People getting on a roundabout, they can't even get to their summit, to their hero inside because they've not even got gotten off the roundabout. So I'm doing that. So, but but I'm putting out these little bits at a time. And when I was working at Disney, I had those breaks. And so I was able to bring my laptop and do some of this stuff. You just plan that you can write. Yeah, I do put out an article every week because I put out a podcast every week. So I put out, I've been, my newsletter has been going for probably 15, 20 years. I, that's just something I've had people expecting that in their inbox, just in, whether or not they read it, it's coming. So that's something I've been committed to. So um, you know, you just you just kind of keep on keep on going, hiring where you can to get some help. I have a little bit of help that I hire, and but I but again, I'm a um, independent contractor and self-employed, and kind of I don't want to I don't want to involve my life so much that I'm I'm tied to my business. Right. I love my business and I want to keep loving my business. I want to expand effectiveness, expand the network with the right type of people. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that just that, that inner energy in the industry, you know, to, to do things um, that is kind of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? You can't sleep or you doze and then you have an idea and you wake up and you go do a little bit more. So, um, and I know you talk a lot about resilience, right? And who better to, talk about resilience and a uh, performing artist, a uh, musician, who your career has shifted a couple times, right? Um, right? Pivoting or whatever you want to call it. Was that um, necessity? Was that entrepreneurial spirit? Was that boredom? Um, all the different uh, changes. a little bit of fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it's on necessity. So, and I talk about this in a roundabout because you get um, in those roundabouts and in... Uh, the traffic circles, the original traffic circle, by the way, was in Long Beach, California in 1930. <laughs> and when I was learning to drive, not back at that time, of course, after that time, um, we had to drive on that traffic circle and it was daunting getting on it. And then you felt like you can never get off. And now when you, 
<laughs> you go on and you go, oh, this is a simple one, you know, compared to some of them now, and they're sure. all over the place. But but people get stuck in, in that in that circle. And there's been times that I have been stuck where things uh, weren't booking or the cre- I, you know, I have nothing. I have some things on the calendar, but hardly as an entrepreneur, and especially in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. Okay, your last gig, your last gig, unless you know you keep going on things. Exactly. So, or you know, you can be hit. Uh, people are hit in different ways. I haven't had a lot of health crises, but who knows what's ahead? Or even relationship um, things that have happened. There's a few things, and or what if. Um, you're a caregiver all of a sudden for a parent or a spouse or and all of those things can stop people and uh, to where all of a sudden, okay, how do you regroup and how? So different things have happened in my life where I've done shifts and I have to be careful of uh, the boredom part of creativity uh, because I like to, it, it's important to finish, finish projects and sure. for a creative it's, it's, it, I have done this before. I've, I've thought, oh, I need a new product. Oh, I need a new show. Right. So I'll create a new album. And, and it's, I, I've almost rushed it a little bit. And I, I put out a great, it was a great album, Christmas album, wonderful album for a Christmas show. But it was almost like I didn't do quite enough research before to figure out, well, people still wanted this other type of music, not just a Christmas show. You could, you could combine that. But why are you going to do this full-on Christmas album now with horns and strings and you have all of this orchestrations? And it turned out wonderful, but I didn't end up booking a lot of Christmas shows from that. I sold the albums, but it was it was just interesting how we end up as a creative wanting to create more product and wanting to create another course and wanting yeah. yeah for some people that's where their genius is is in the yeah. the idea and yeah. the, the quick sketch yes and then it's like okay i don't want to do the details hand it over to somebody else to do the details yeah and go on and create the next thing right? yeah and it's like you hear a lot of i've heard this so many times oh i need an agent oh i need a manager to book me and it's like sorry you know, they, they can only book what's ha- what's moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. you got to be trout. You're only going to catch the trout that's moving. And if you're at a standstill, they can't book you. So you, you've got to be able to do your own homework and all of your own work. Exactly. And I, I just, I love the analogy of the roundabout because I know, is it Paris? I know Mexico City has, you know, this like 16 lane roundabout. But if you get in there, you may just, you know, retire and, and you know, that's yeah. the end of it right there. Yeah. Um, but people do, they kind of get in this almost like the horizontal hamster wheel, just keep going around and around and around and around, around and they don't know yeah. exactly where to get off. I had included this cause I came, I, um, wrote during COVID, I wrote a new keynote called the hero inside and I had written a song called the hero inside. Yeah. So it was very much in a line of what my messaging was. And, and I used the roundabout in there and it was so sticky. And people get it right away. Right. They get Absolutely. climbing to the summit. They get the hero mountain. Right. But they really get the fact that they're stuck in a roundabout. And so that's why I've expanded. That's why I'm trade marketing. Absolutely. You know, the, the roundabout hero. Because you, you have to be able to get out of that roundabout successfully. And what yeah. are the steps? And I've really simplified them. but And put them so practically so people can at least get out of they have a chance and it applies to everything it applies to projects it applies to your career it applies to your personal life it applies to everything 
So that's the beauty about the roundabout. And we get it. We just get it. <laughs> so <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's a great image. And I think people, when they first started putting them around our uh, area in the suburbs of Atlanta, people were afraid. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, some people came in and thought I could make a left turn. It's like, no, no, no. You have to go into the flow of the traffic ticket. And it's it's daunting. But once you understand, you know, they're not too bad. <laughs> but it's and that image of getting stuck. An interesting fact is that the roundabouts, now this was a fact found on the internet, so whether or not you want to believe it, but they, they reduce the type of crashes where people are seriously injured or killed by 78 to 82%. Nice. And it's I, I, you're thinking, when you're on them, it doesn't feel like that. It right. really doesn't. It feels like <laughs> this is, a, this is a, you know, a crash waiting to happen here. But it... it that's what the statistics um, yeah. those say. So, and I know they use them a lot over in the UK. I've yes, seen them. And they do. Traffic just flows. People yeah. just yeah. That's Excellent. where I, that's where I drove on them the very first time was overseas, and then and it was years before. You know, they, I, I don't know why I was driving. Well, maybe I was. Yeah, but they were more common there. I had already been on the traffic circle here, but I hadn't seen them everywhere like over there. Yeah, now they're becoming more common. Um, and then you also talk about the hero, hero mountain. Yes. Talk to me about hero mountain. You've got several books dealing with the mountain and, and the summit. Well, the summit is an allegory. So it is, um, uh, a story within a story. And I felt it was important to write uh, that story because people, people get into the story. There are so many books out, you know, on self-help and, and you talk a lot about a lot about leadership and there's a lot of books about that. And sure. it's, yeah, I mean, they're wonderful, but it's just a lot of facts coming at you. I wrote about Hero Mountain even more, the steps of Hero Mountain. You know, we cover really more in depth on mindset, relationships, skills, competency, and uh, purpose, all of those areas in my Women at Halftime book. Mm -hmm. And that's where I branded that with uh, the podcast. It's for men, too. My husband comes on with me once a month, and we have a great time. But but the um, Women at Halftime book, it goes through all of the Hero Mountain, the steps with application. And yes. uh, I have a whole course with that. It even goes even more you know, more in depth, but the summit, and, and I want to, I'm planning on writing sequels to the summit. So there's at least a three, three book, um, sequels to this, uh, with the story, but it, but it talks about that journey to hero mountain and all of the things, this character, Mallory, her name, uh, means ill-fated. Mm. <laughs> That's the root meaning of Mallory. And, and one of the requirements to get to her hero mountain, her name is going to have to change, which it does, to Andriette, which means strong and courageous. Nice. But she has to go through a lot of these different areas. And I've done maps for, and inside the book, you'll see um, black and white maps. You can also see a little bit on, online what I've put. But also I've created these color maps, which are just great fun because they go through a lot of these areas that she's had to go through with, you know, the cave and... Um, she has to go through the um, imagination uh, factory. There's nobody there because they're all at the uh, social media circus. The social media circus that, that, you know, she sees and they're all kind of the names of them are kind of crafted around sure. what we see in social media. So and she sees the character in the Instagram type of tent there that's 
that's, uh, you know, the perfect character like the Tamra that has, uh, she's got these perfect memes coming out. She's got, out the, oh, everything looks just, oh, color coordinated, everything. But then she sees her outside the tent and she can't even recognize her. So you, you, we see, you know, some of this funny, you know, uh, twists on some of these. And Bluebird, that's like the Twitter and you can see the birds flying all around and, the, you know, the, and you can buy tweets and you can do all of these, you know, sort of um, things in these little different areas, but she finds it's all fake. It's not real. Where's she's looking for real. So anyway, but so that little story is very applicable and there's characters in it. And hopefully, you know, you can find yourself in, in one of these characters that, that are in there, but the main character, the protagonist, of course, is Mallory that turns into Andriette and ends up I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but she does end up getting to her. But, but she has to go through a lot to get there. Sure. And um, it really kind of, it, it's, so, it's such a simple story. It's very simple. It's not, and it's not like 500, 600, 800 pages like, you know, J.K. Rowling can write. Sure. I read all, I actually read all of the Harry Potter mm-hmm. books while I was writing this because I wanted to read her character development, which was brilliant, brilliant. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many how many people can write that many pages and have you follow along as much, uh, but it was uh, and working because I've worked with Disney. I've always seen so many of the. I've seen I had seen one of the movies, but I ended up watching all of them at the same time. They always had them playing, so it was just just interesting. Yeah. So, but uh, telling the story, I think people pick up. Like you said, there's a lot of books out there talking about leadership, a lot of books out there about courage, about strength, about telling them, here's what it looks like and here are the facts behind it is one right. thing. When you tell a story and they can discover yeah. in themselves, I have that same feeling too. And this is how this person got through this. Maybe I can do the same thing. Those stories mean a lot. Yeah. Oh, especially if you can relate to it. Yes, yeah. they definitely mean a lot. And uh, they're they're not real easy to write to make sure they are more universal. And, um, you know, it, that's, that's the challenge of this as sure. a writer and um, being able to come up with those principles that are clever, but they're still very, very clear. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's for a creative, that's the challenge, making Absolutely. sure they're very clear. Absolutely. And then your book, Women at Halftime. Tell me about that. Women at Halftime, um, and the subtitle to this, um, and in fact, I had a wonderful colleague and friend um, actually came up with the subtitle of it. She says, because you're such a creative, it's principles for producing your successful second half. She says, you're a producer. Mm-hmm. These are principles for producing. Nice. And, and I wanted to go through every step on the Hero Mountain. So I talk about the cables of success. So those are all the different you know cables to the top of hero mountain um Mm -hmm. and how they how they bring us there which are all they all need to come together so it's a little bit different of the principle of the the summit but because the summit actually in the summit also there the roundabouts appear (laughs) so that's the first (laughs) time you see roundabouts uh I don't have any roundabouts in the uh the 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 women at halftime but it's a great book it's very applicable um, for people, uh, again, our uh, definition on halftime, if you look at the internet, mm-hmm. which I think is a little after this, but it's age 40, which comes very quick. 
but that's kind of the halftime of life. Okay. Uh, as we say, people at mid-career is where right. if you're mid-career, halftime of life, uh, now women are having children a little bit later. I had my first child, I think I was 20. Seven. If I date my, if I say how old my kids are, you're going to figure out how old I am. So, <laughs> but we, you know, there are women well into their thirties sure. and they are um, starting their families then. So it's, it, it expands a little bit later, but still you start getting some of those pulls into your forties and you're thinking, mm -hmm. wow, okay, so what's next? And so mm -hmm. that's kind of answering because you want to, you want to think about, okay, so why am I here? What, sure. what am I doing with what I have and how can I give more, but yet be more effective? Just giving yeah. doesn't do it, um, but more effective and having uh, impact um, in, in my world. Yeah. And it's what's, what's next. It yes. may not just be an age thing. It could be a, a change in career. Totally. You know? Especially totally. after the pandemic, a lot of people were furloughed, right? Or yes. let go, laid off. Yes. What's next? What can I do now? So. Yes. And they think, you know what? I've, I've worked really great just at home. <laughs> Why can't I continue doing this? Exactly. And, or some people thinking, I never want to work at home. <laughs> you know, I mean, it might be both sides. There's both sides you discover on this. But, uh, but, it's, but it's been a great time of uh, reawakening for many as well. That's the beauty about it and upping our skills uh, and being able to be more versatile. I upped my skills and even though I've worked with a lot of technical aspects of my career, but I've upped my skills in video production and all of those other areas that I felt like I needed to be a little, even a little bit more competitive and simplifying my equipment enough that it's not such a time sucker. So those are, those are areas that sure. we all you know, um, I think have thought about it, at least. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about courage. Where did you get the courage? We talk about the, the courage that people, you know, find to leave the nine to five job, the safety net, right. right? That comfort zone to create their own success. Where do you find the courage to continue after a setback like divorce or bankruptcy, illness, death um, in your career? A lot of people would say, you know, the fear of getting up on stage and performing, the fear of being a keynote speaker, the fear of writing a book. Where did you find that courage? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's it's hard to determine exactly where the courage comes from. But there's a certain part of it that leadership starts with your self-leadership. Uh, when we think about leadership, we think about, you know, I've interviewed these fighter pilots that are amazing. And I was just on an interview with uh, active military. Uh, she was interviewing me and, and it was, I appreciate those people that have, you know, demonstrated once you sign that dotted line, I, you know what, you are serving our country. You are serving me for fighting for our freedoms. And I so appreciate that. Um, so and a lot of times we think of courage when we think of that, um, but it, uh, it all starts with our self leadership and to be able to understand where we are and, uh, who we are. And we, I think this is a constant discovery through our life because yeah. we don't stay the same. We shouldn't, I mean, we should be growing, sure. but, um, I spend time journaling and, uh, 
you know, I've been through different journaling programs with the artist way. You're writing pages. I don't have time for pages. I have time for a couple lines. So I spend, though, I spend time early in the morning, pretty much every single morning. I have a brief time of reflection and of writing a couple lines in a journal and focusing my thoughts. I write my schedule the night before. So it helps me face with courage what I need to do that day. If there's something I don't want to do, I try to get to it first. So you schedule your things that you need to be courageous about. And also courage to keep going. I think you mentioned that, correct? When something doesn't go your way, you don't win the contest you thought you were going to win. You don't, you know, it's like a setback. What do you do now? You have to realize that you're still worth it. That's not a reflection on you. It's just, uh, and I have a certain feeling about so many contests because a lot of them are rigged. I just really believe that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get too political here, but it's, it's, I mean, I've been in the Grammy organization. I've been in a lot of those and I just know how the promotion, how the dollars work. So, um, and that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You can't take that upon yourself thinking, oh, my stuff's no good. That's not true. It is just not true. True. Where it's really effective is how it's going to help others. And so to be able to pick yourself up um, and to be able to understand that you have worth and, and just a little bit of reflection and clear back when I was actually Cal State Northridge, I had decided to, I passed up a major international tour uh, to be pianist and vocalist of a major artist. And I um, passed that up because <laughs> I was um, earmarked to be a student teacher for a junior high middle school teacher that had never taken a student teacher before. Wow. She, her programs were amazing. I mean, she had hundreds of kids. I mean, she, her choirs were amazing. They were amazing. And uh, I just felt I was in Germany at the time and I just told the people, I just, I can't do the tour next year. I can't, I've, I've really got to go back and fulfill my commitment. Hmm. But she told me in one of my first weeks, and I tell you what, when I got in that junior high classroom, I'm thinking, oh, why did I ever commit? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> but she told me something. She said, you always keep a file of the good comments. You always keep a file. She said, there's so much bad, but you keep those letters. Her name was Cheryl Lloyd. I've kind of lost track of her. She was an amazing teacher, um, became a very good friend. Um, but, but you always keep track of the good. And, and I do, I have a little folder that sometimes you get those notes. I got a wonderful surprise from like the Disney organization that you meant so much when you were uh, performing and this family came and just gave you a rave review because you spent time with their um, severely handicapped kids Mm. and making them smile and be happy. And, and it was like, wow, it was so unexpected. I'm going to keep that. Are you kidding? That's what it's all about. Yes. And on those days, that's success. And you have to realize the awards, the trophies, I tell you what, they get thrown away. They get tarnished. <laughs> Your kids are not going to keep them. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. they're going to get in the dumpster. They just are. 
nobody's going to care about all those. It's yeah. who you are with the people. Oh boy, if I can encourage somebody with that today, it will be worth, you know, me being, uh, doing all of the things here uh, and to just keep going, not to quit and understand your self-leadership. You have to focus there before you can lead others. And I'm a big believer in servant leadership anyway, of just, you're serving the people. You're not self-serving. This is not because of you. It's not because of power and it's because of, you know, and money. And we think now when we look at this political climate that we've been mm-hmm. in, I mean, it really feels like for years, but it, yes. but um, people, there's a lot of people on both sides. I talk to them. I've, I, they're like, oh, what a mess because we feel like people are not listening to us and you have moms now upset with schools that they're not listening to us. They're not listening to what we want for our kids. We want them to learn math. We want them to learn English. They can't read what, what, listen to us. And that's who you're supposed to serve. And, um, and in this great country, I believe in our great country. I do. Sure. And and I know there's people in line with that. And um, I, I, it doesn't matter who you are. I, you can be whatever color. You can be whatever. I've, I've worked with everybody, especially right. in the arts. And it's that's never been a problem. And so when you start making it an issue, that becomes the central focus and not really, not really serving each other. And not focusing on what we can truly give if we try to legislate that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, our, our tax money goes to those schools. So why aren't they yes. listening to the parents and teaching what should oh. be taught? Cause you're right. So many kids are coming out. Um, we could probably go on and on. Oh, <laughs> so many kids are coming gosh, out. Yes. They this don't was know a subject to... today, but no. Yeah. <laughs> and Critical I've raised skills. three sons. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm coming sure. from a mom here. Sure. Of, of, yeah, and I homeschooled for three years, actually. And the the uh, the two oldest that I spent more time with homeschooling, I was burnt out by the third, but, to be honest. But it was my middle one who's ended up being an attorney. So, but the, nothing against attorneys, but I, we knew it when he was two. But, the, but they are so strong in their, um, their language skills and their, their phonics. They, they got it. And I noticed a huge difference there. So you've you've got to be concerned with these schools. You've got to be concerned about the education that they're getting. And I know moms are maxed out, especially these these single moms that are mm-hmm. doing this by themselves or single dads that are doing it. Oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. You're tired. You're exhausted. But I tell you what, you're going to be exhausted either way. So, exactly. hey. <laughs> Just, when you just say, I tell you what, my husband and I look at each other sometimes and we say, do we ever understand what it was going to be like when we had kids? Do, no. no, nobody told us. Nobody really told us. We just get these little, this is like the cutest sound with these little gurgly babies, but oh, they grew up to be teenagers. They grew yes. up to be, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, self-sustaining adults, which Absolutely. I'm very thankful for. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so how many, how many people do you have working for you in your organization? In my organization, I'm I'm pretty much a one man band, um, but I hire out. I'm a I'm independent contracting as I, what I do. I've okay. had assistants before. I've had assistants in my office before. Um, usually one assistant, and then hired out a few other things. 
I hire out some of the graphics, such as for a historical course I'm putting together for Sarina. I hired out graphics for that. I hire out, I've just started writing, uh, hiring out a little bit of a content writer, but usually I do a lot of that completely myself, and I hire editors uh, because those those people are brilliant. They catch, sure. they catch what I don't They catch everything. Um, <laughs> and hired different coaches to help me along in the journey. Um, I will hire people. Um, I've had virtual assistants being able to do things that I've worked, um, but I've had different ones through because there's nobody that's been through me that, that with with the entire time. And I had a wonderful assistant, and she felt like she needed during the pandemic to be around more for kids and for uh, some actually some relative kids too. That she really had to be more focused there. And so um, that ended that, but it was really good timing anyway. I didn't need her as much at that point. So those are, um, you know, how I how I work. I'm always so, looking for people that are better than I am, and yeah. I will hire them. Sure. <laughs> but but I partner with them because it's never just giving everything over. Right. Uh, marketing, it's never just giving everything over. It's just like this thing of with an agent and with uh, a manager. Mm -hmm. you've got to be moving. So sure. I I try to be very organized. I don't feel organized ever. I just interviewed somebody with organization and I'm very convicted yeah. about my my office and my computer files right yeah. now when I have to spend but, an hour looking but for that's something. But what, that's what leaders do, right? You identify those weak areas, you hire somebody who's great at that. Yes, And yes. then give them the leeway to, to get things done. Right, right. And that's... But I've done different through the years, and uh, I find people though I work. I usually work with them for a very, very long time, unless they mess up. So, or <laughs> I don't need them specifically in an area that yeah. had, and that was kind of sad. Which one of my um, virtual assistants? She had done well. Everything was fine. I was keeping her on da 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 for some years. Um, but when she took some shortcuts and didn't communicate, that was it. That was I don't have time. Right. to nurture that back. I just right. didn't have time. I knew I could move on. I could find somebody else. So with all these people that you've worked with and contracted with, if I was to bump into any of those folks on the road and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I am an equipping leader. Mm -hmm. um, and that was great. I love the way you phrased that because I was, as I was looking through, you know, leadership and how uh, we were going to speak about this. I am a strong believer when I'm going to hire someone, I need to equip them to do their job the best they can do. Um, for instance, I had a, uh, a Zoom meeting last week with a writer I'm working with and I had given her outlines of everything and pretty specific, but what was one hour turned into full two hours because mm. she needed to go through things more thoroughly. I needed to spend that time with her to make sure she was comfortable enough, equipping her enough that she could do her job well. Um, so a, a lot of this is equipping your team. When I was president of our NSA chapter in Los Angeles, I went into that thinking, you know, I, I'm not, I had, I'm, I don't say yes usually to even being on boards because I'm not a meeting sitter. Uh, I'm a doer. And, but I 
got put on, I got put on this board. One of my colleagues says, I need you here. And so I ended up, and then, um, you know, what happens when you're on a board, you end up being president anyway. Right. <laughs> it was like, it just happened. And I'm thinking, ah, I'm not the normal one that would go after this at all, because I knew some that were just kind of vying for that position. Um, but what I did, what I think I did pretty well was to make sure the team was equipped and to make sure everybody had a job because you get people that will show up when they do their job. I Mm -hmm. didn't need to do everything. I did a lot. I did a lot of the production. I, I increased our production of our meetings. We got out of the four white walls of a, just a little closed space and we had a produce show is basically what we did. And it was wonderful when we could do that. So but it, but it, um, that was my little touch. But boy, I had, I had people working. I had people working to do their little expertise, whether they were great at it or not. They learned. They were on sure. sound. They were on video. They were on doing all of the other parts of the pieces that needed to be. And we had those. I let them talk. I did not just talk the entire time in our virtual meetings that we had. During this time, I was losing my dad. So I had to do a lot of things virtually and remotely uh, as far as our weekly meetings. And, and um, you know, giving the responsibility to those people. And certain people kind of let me down in some areas. I had to let them know. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, you know, a good experience for me to realize, you know, I can lead. I don't know if I would sign up for that job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we never, you know, certain things we just don't sign up for. We end up being in that sure. position. Absolutely. But um, again, it all starts with that self-leadership. And I was just looking at uh, the other day and, and using it as one of the vases. We, um, we have a property where my husband has the green thumb, not me. I do a lot of trimming, though. I do a ton of trimming. <laughs> I love doing that. But he's the one who keeps everything alive. But I was, it was a beautiful vase to where my whole team, when my father passed, I got the most beautiful bouquet of flowers. It's so unexpected, but they, you know, we loved each other. We cared for each other. We knew what was happening and I'd shared it every week, how difficult it was, you know, it's going along. It's like, my dad can't walk anymore. I'm just, you know, and I'm here, I've got to, you know, my, he almost stopped breathing last night. You know, those sort of little things that we share, and so we went through it together. And I think a leader needs to be um, vulnerable enough mm-hmm. to be able to share life, and but to serve the team. You need to have direction, definite direction. When I told a couple people that, um, when they said, well, you know, we've got this program going, but, and I asked them for um, their agenda and the program and an educational part. And they said, oh, well, we'll get it done. And I said, no, it needed to be done last week. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking, I've taught college courses. If you don't have an agenda, you're fired. Okay, so I, I can't fire these people. <laughs> They're volunteers. But those are the the sort of things that we need to understand and how to nurture people along. Sure. And uh, so I, I learned a lot through that year. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that sounds like good leadership. Like I said, equipping them to be yeah. successful. Um, and you say you work with people to help get them unstuck by producing and executing on their success plan. Who specifically do you work with? Do you stick with creatives or do you work with um, anybody? Is it women only? 
Uh, no, women and men. Um, I'm focusing more on organizations. Um, I do open up my Hero Mountain Summit uh, twice a year for individuals that want to be able to sign on. It's mostly virtual. I don't do a lot of individual coaching. Uh, I've taught, I started individual coaching in the field of piano, <laughs> piano lessons when I was 13. So I've done a lot of individual coaching <laughs> in those areas. So, um, and I, there's only so much time I have. So, but the virtual programs are wonderful uh, with Hero Mountain Summit. That's what you go through with there. Um, but I encourage uh, those in speaking and in courses and a lot now through podcasting and, yes. and interviews are um, maximizing skills, resources, experience, uh, especially at mid-career at the halftime of life. And, and it was more than just getting unstuck because that's a very common message now. It's a huge search term. It wasn't as much when I wrote my first book. It was um, stuck is not a four letter word, seven steps to getting unstuck. I was like, oh, that's a great word, unstuck. I've not heard that before. Oh, now it's every other word people are saying unstuck and getting unstuck. So it's still a big messaging, but it goes a lot deeper. And that's where even pushing out of your roundabout, you need to even push a little bit deeper and knowing, okay, what is that? Who is that true audience? And so it's mainly those at mid-career. And, and when, when I tell this to people and what the message is, I know that they're my audience because they say, I need that. I need that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm there. I'm there. And, and there was a book years ago, uh, it was in the Christian field called Halftime by Bob Buford. And that's what got me thinking about halftime, because there's a whole halftime institute. But I'm not a part of that institute, but I, but I understand what they're doing. They're doing something wonderful, because and I've talked to those people. They are encouraging people to have more significance and pursuing more meaning in their second half, which there are so many people now that are really in that stage mm -hmm. there and they're they're groping they're wondering what do i do but i can't really quit my day job so that's why i have free downloads on starting your side business I, you know understanding some thinking through these things and sometimes it's just helping people through those i give a lot of free downloads just a ton sure. of free downloads but those are but through those aspects you can come up with areas that you really love and you may not end up ever doing this absolutely full time but it might be enough to just feel like i'm doing what i need to do i yeah. am i am contributing giving back That's yes cool. giving back and you know what's the first word god will say to coming in oh well done you know i mean <laughs> i know there's a lot more to it than that i, I do because i have you know, I've, I'm, a, I'm a woman of faith, I understand. <laughs> but, but, there's, but there's a certain amount of that in our career and our, uh, in our lives that we want to, to be able to give. And, and we see people, I've worked with people now that are going into the nonprofit areas and starting, they don't even have to start a nonprofit. They can work with those fields. Mm -hmm. I have a wonderful friend working with FASD. Those are the fetal alcohol kids. It's because she has two um, grandchildren that are foster kids that have that fetal alcohol. It's more mm -hmm. fetal alcohol syndrome is more common than um, uh, all, I, all I'm thinking of is Alzheimer's. It's it's the uh, um, uh, how, how come I can't think of it? But it's the um, uh, what is the uh, symptom with kids, how they're... Um, SIDS, sudden infant death? 
What's that? It's 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 not SIDS. No, it's um, um, autistic. I just, I got onto the Alzheimer's thing. Uh, I couldn't think of the word autistic. Oh my gosh, I'm losing it. But it's more common than autism is fetal alcohol syndrome because of these women that end up having children, doesn't take many drinks to, you know, for some of these symptoms to come through. And it's a real need in in education. And so there she's started and she's now on national boards and and her state boards and and uh, being a part of the messaging of that and how she can help other other moms and families through this because they're not understanding what's happening with their kids and these kids, their brains are wired different. You know, all of these things. Another that started a whole new Nonprofit B for B helping small businesses. These, this is what, and this is a, a woman that worked in management for twenty years. And so this yeah. is, uh, these are the people now that are fulfilling that second half. If I can encourage them through that, I don't always have to train them. They know what to do. It's but the to encouragement encourage to them take that to be step. a pacer to yeah. get to keep going is is what you have those skills. You've got different skills than I do. Probably a lot more. You know, in in um, not not just leadership, but in putting you know these organizations together. Yeah, and just finding out that zone of genius, right? right. So they can work. Right. It's amazing. Tell me, uh, running low on time. Show me, tell me about your podcast. Oh, I love it. That's all I need to say. I love it. It's called Women at Halftime because it was easy to brand. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I had a book, Women at Halftime. So, uh, but my husband comes on with me once a month and I bring in a guest once a month and I speak twice a month and write an article because I was so used to writing my articles and doing the content and I want to continue that path. I'd like to book in some extra interviews, but I, but I'm putting out video as well. Hmm. So that, that just takes time. It takes, sure. you know, I've been very regular. I think I just, we're in the 160th episode, you know, nice. at doing this. So we're doing well. And I didn't start it until I knew I could continue it. So, and that was, I needed to wait until the passing really of my, both my parents, because it was such an intense time. I had it all planned, but I really love it. It focuses really on a number of different things of, of helping you through your second half of things that you deal with. Um, I have my husband talk about some different things because he's been both a professional athlete. So we've talked about our physical stamina at this stage, which really it starts younger than you think of, of how you need to keep in shape and add, you know, weight bearing exercise, all of that. So we've talked about that. We've talked about nutrition. I have a son who was a trainer. We've talked about that. Um, I've talked, uh, had him talk, Greg talk about cryptocurrency. He's been in the financial field. He was an RIA registered investment advisor. So we, and, but he does a lot of research still and does, you know, in a lot of those areas. We've talked about raising adult children and how our relationship is the same, different. And and I talk about uh, creativity. I've talked about self-management, self-leadership. I've talked about uh, all sorts of things of um, the one this week is is the end of your story. What are you writing? What is the mm. end of the story? What is the end of your story? I mean, that's there's so much to say about this. Sure. I mean, are you going to put the spoiler at the very beginning? No, you got to wait, you know, and what's your backstory? What is all of that? in? so a lot of that comes in and then a guest once a month. So I have a number of different guests, but they're 
mostly they're helping people. I've had everyone from startups. Uh, I've got one that was a, um, an attorney startup, Dorna. Wonderful. I, I met her on a snowshoeing trip. and But she was just having her first child, but she had a lot to say on a startup in the uh, legal field and wonderful organization that she was put together as well as being an attorney. Uh, I've had, uh, again, I had that organizer on that was convicting to me. I had uh, a friend that, um, an opera singer who ended up being in The Sound of Music with the uh, National um, Broadway. Uh, she was Mother Abbas and a wonderful, big voice. But I had also worked with her for years because I used to run showcase rooms with uh, the arts. And I would book myself as well as give others a chance to get booked. So, I mean, a number of different um, uh, of uh, guests that I've had coming up. I have, and I don't know when this is going to air, but one, I have the guide that we had with South Africa, Paul, who is fascinating. Um, he does tours full time as a tour guide, but he was a walking encyclopedia of plants and animals. And, and he went through, he was born in South Africa. So he went through wow. apartheid and he's, he's redheaded and white. And, but he went through so much where they had to move in the middle of the night. And so these stories, I just love to capture them. Sure. And, and nobody else was telling this story. And I thought, oh, I want to, and we've had to coordinate our time to even be able to get him in an interview with time changes. So, so some of the, I just, I really love it. I love the platform. Um, I've not, watched you know certain people book in other people and they book in certain types of people so we'll build their numbers i've never really been about that i yeah. probably need to be about it more but but i am about let's develop some influence mm -hmm. um develop subjects that are interesting that are not just going to be promotional subjects so you know i've talked about a number of it's just a fun platform and amazing that we can have this sort of platform. And Absolutely. look, at you can do this from anywhere in the world, too. Absolutely. Because you can have it virtually. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm, I've been a producer for years. It was an easy, I, I should say easy, um, the decision is, but it's still the follow through again, mm -hmm. the persistence yeah. to get every episode done. And to, because when you do virtual work, you have to front load so I can be gone. I could be gone for two weeks because I didn't have a lot of internet, believe me. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, you have to front load. Everything kept going. It was all automated. So we learned those tools and to be able to do it. Nice. Very cool. Well, this has been amazing. I really appreciate you coming on and talking and sharing all this stuff with us. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about you, yeah. where you're performing next, the next keynote speech, the next book, where can they find you? What's your website? I think the best way is to get on my weekly newsletter. Some people are just, they're inundated in their inboxes. So, But you can reach me on a lot of the social media as well. But but it's goals for your life altogether, goalsforyourlife.com forward slash newsletter. Okay. So that'll get you there. I have a number of different websites, Deborah Johnson Speaker. There's all sorts of little links on there, a lot of free things. Um, and goals for your life uh, with I have Hero Mountain Summit on there. I have a lot of the programs on there that you can find those. Of course, people are always drawn to the music. So I have mm -hmm. DJ Works Music and you can find the musicals and all of that on there as well. So there's a lot of different resources. But if, if you get onto the weekly, I don't... I don't spam you. Some people you hear from them every day. Oh my right. gosh, you're not going to do that. <laughs> Multiple times a day. Yes. Yes, yeah. I know. 
So I send out the newsletter once a week and then when the podcast comes out. So you get a little reminder there. So, but it's, but it's very simple, just goalsforyourlife.com forward slash newsletter. And you can get, um, on, on that list and, uh, and it'll keep you up because I'll put different videos. I have hundreds of videos, hundreds of songs available. And so I'll put up a lot of times I have different videos that I'll, I'll feature. And so I'll just put them on there. It's like, Oh, that's fun. Heartbreak waiting to happen. I've got not you know, <laughs> or, you know, Superwoman. I've got another, I've got tons of, of uh, material. And so they're just, they're fun. I'm not hard sell. I do make things available, but you know, whoever Excellent. wants it, there you go. Absolutely. There. Perfect. <laughs> All right. I will make sure that the links to your websites um, are in the show notes. Um, also links to your books, your five books, including Thank the you. latest one, right? Which is yes. The Summit, Journey to Hero Mountain. Yeah, it's Thank a great you. little book. It was, Absolutely. it's really fun. It's, it really is a fun little book. I really, it was, it, it was a craft, a labor of love craft, but it was fun. Yeah. Great. All right. I will have all those links in the show notes so people can reach out to you. And Deborah, again, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks so much. It's been fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. Good information here. Definitely check out um, the website, check out the books, check out uh, the free downloads that you have available on your site and everything. And uh, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.